But 2 Timothy chapter 3, I'm going to read the entire chapter, and then I'm going to look at um, some portions of it in particular as we think about our current situation. 2 Timothy 3 verse 1 says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janes and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth, men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. They shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, and as theirs also was. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, and afflictions, that came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live God in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. That from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation, through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, for righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege we have to open your precious word tonight. I pray, Father, as we look into the scriptures, in this passage in particular, I pray that you would speak to our hearts and encourage us in these times in which we're living. Help us to keep our focus and our minds and our hearts set upon thee, and the scriptures, and the commandments that you give us therein, and the promises that are contained uh, for our good and for our learning. So Lord, just work and glorify yourself, and speak to your people tonight, and anyone who may be listening online. And we pray that you be glorified. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of this message tonight, Continue in the Scriptures. You know, in the midst of perilous times, we are to continue to believe God. Obey His Word, and grow in grace and knowledge of Him. You know, that means we, we, we learn how His Word applies, His commands and promises apply to every life, everyday life, even in the midst of perilous times. You know, some people have this idea that, well, when you've got times like this, it's okay to commit crime. I saw where uh, one person Twitter, tweeted or something that, you know, it's... Uh, you know, to, to thought it was okay or encouraging people to loot the stores. Um, some cities were talking about not uh, criminalizing people for certain crimes during this time. And even others have left people out of jail, criminals out of jail in some parts of our country. And the word perilous here in this passage uh, means hard to do or hard to take, hard to bear, uh, troublesome, uh, dangerous, Fierce. The only other time it's used in the Bible 
It's used in Matthew 8:28, where it says, And when he had come to the other side into the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two, two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce. And that, that's the word there, perilous, fierce. So no man might pass by that way. It's also used in classical Greek to describe wild animals or a raging sea. So we are talking about something that's very troublesome or dangerous or even savage. And as we think about this passage tonight, and, and uh, there's a laundry list of characteristics describing people in these perilous times. And, and you might sum all those up you know, from verses 2 through verse uh, uh, 4, it get, or verse 5, it get, and, well actually down through verse 8. It gives us a description of these people. And you might sum these up by this saying this, like it says in Judges, every man did that which is right in his own eyes. Or, as Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, verse 21, for all seek their own. All seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. And so that's the, the context of what Paul, the Apostle Paul here, is writing under inspiration to young Timothy. In of course, these were troublesome times in which Timothy was living and Paul was living. Paul is uh, writing his last will and testament, if you will, Second uh, Timothy. He knows he's, he's facing martyrdom. Chapter 4 tells us that. And uh, there is uh, much persecution that is going on uh, for the Christians at this time. So they were perilous uh, then as well. But uh, as we think about our own time, we might ask ourselves, well, how are we, what are we to do? What are we, how are we supposed to react or how are we supposed to act during these days? Well, we need to take Paul's admonition to Timothy. Continue thou. Just continue thou. And he gives them some things here that we ought to continue in. Uh, in, in verses uh, uh, 10, uh, through the end of the chapter, and we'll start there in verse 10, he gives them a list of things. Uh, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, and patience. So we're to continue in sound doctrine. He said we're to continue. You've known my doctrine, and we ought to continue in that. A doctrine, of course, is teaching, and 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 4, he tells him, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing, and his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap themselves, teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fable. So he said we need to hear or continue into in sound doctrine. You know, sound doctrine is teaching of the word of God, and it's simply obeying or keeping the commands of God. That's what's simply what it would be. And again, some people use these times to justify disobedience. But no, we are continue as Christians, we ought to continue in sound doctrine. The things that's, that the Lord has taught us in his word, that, that have been passed down to us from generation to generation and have re- preserved for us in the scriptures, uh, we need to continue in these things, uh, just like we always always did. Uh, he says we ought to continue to be an example in life. Again, in verse 10, Thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life. So we need to continue in the, the kind of life or be an example in life that the world expects 
or God expects from a child of God. When there was an up, remember in Acts chapter 19, there was an uproar at Ephesus when Paul was there. He spent, I think, a year and a half there. Uh, but anyway, the the uh, silversmiths brought a brought a caused a riot to be stirred up, and 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 they brought these men before the magistrates. and And in Acts chapter nineteen, verse thirty seven, the town clerk said this: "For ye have brought hither these men, which are neither robbers of churches nor yet blasphemers of your goddess." So these these men, and what he's saying is, look, you brought these men here before us, and they're not thieves. They're not crooks. They're not criminals. So what's the problem? That's basically what he's saying. There, there was really nothing that legally they could bring against these against Paul and his company. First uh, Timothy four, he tells Timothy to be an example of the believer. He says, "Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity." And so in, our, in the words we use in our conversation has to do with the way we live or our manner of living. In charity, uh, we are to love one another. That was the commandment that the Lord gave his disciples. And by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have loved one for another. Uh, in spirit, and I think that has to do with our attitudes. Um, I mean, have a good attitude. In faith, uh, again, uh, believing God, trusting him. And in purity, living a, a pure and holy life. So, so these are the things that we ought to continue in, even in days uh, of danger or perilous times. Uh, Titus chapter 2, verse 8, he tells Titus, Sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he is of a contrary part, may be ashamed, having no evil thing to save you. So we shouldn't, we, we shouldn't be people who are, are subject to evil report because of our evil conduct. Uh, Peter in 1 Peter 2, verses, uh, verses 11 and 12 says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they shall behold glorify God in the day of visitation. So we need to continue being an example of the believer in our life. We ought to continue to live with a purpose. And that purpose is to please God. You know, the word purpose means to a reason for living. Paul says, you, you've known my doctrine, manner of life, and you've known my purpose. Uh, we, we, have a, we have a reason for living. You know, what are our intentions in life? What are our motives? We, we, we have a philosophy of life, and our philosophy of life is we're here to please God. We're not here to please ourselves. We're not here to, to uh, fit in with the world and follow the, the, the fear and the hysteria and all that and, and so on that the world does. No, we have a, we have a, we have a divine purpose that's higher than, than the world has. Uh, Paul was told this when he, when he got saved on the road to Damascus, Acts twenty six sixteen. The Lord said to him, Rise, stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee. So, so when Saul met the Lord on the road on Damascus Rose, you know, the Lord gave him a purpose for living. You know, I want you to be a minister to the Gentiles. Uh, take the gospel to those that have never heard. And, and so this was the purpose he had given him. And if you notice that Paul, when he met the Lord in the road 
Damascus Road, he said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? What wilt thou have me to do? You know, we, if we have the life of God through our Lord Jesus Christ, we have a Lord, we have a master. And the word master means an owner. One who's dominant or chief or principal in our life. You know, Colossians 1.18 says, And he is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the first for, firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. And of course, the word firstborn means he is principal, or he is head, or he is ruler. He is the spiritual leader, you might say, or the spiritual head. And he is to be preeminent in all things. He, you know, it is he that is to direct our lives. We, are, we have a purpose, and that is to live for him and not for ourselves. Uh, we're not to seek our own. After all, he is our life. Colossians 3, 4 says, When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall we also appear with him. Uh, so, so this is our purpose for living, and we need to continue in that. Uh, Paul would say in chapter 1, verse 9 of, of 2 Timothy, he said, He's who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. So God has a purpose for us, and that purpose is to glorify him and to be a witness and testimony uh, for him uh, in this life. And so we have, a, we have been given a divine purpose, and we're to continue in that purpose. We ought to continue also in faith. Verse 10 again of 2 Timothy 3 says, But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith. The word faith here means fidelity or faithfulness. Uh, and, and the idea, of course, being faithful to God, even in, the, even in difficult times or perilous times or dangerous times. Like Joshua and Caleb, though all the rest of the, the spies gave an evil report, yet Joshua and Caleb gave a true report and trusted God, believed God, and were faithful. Uh, Moses, when he was challenged by uh, Miriam and Aaron... Uh, the Lord said of him in, in Numbers twelve seven, My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all mine house. You know, it was said of David. Remember when, when David was fleeing from Saul and Saul was hunting him like, a, like an animal and he fled to Ahimelech and, and then Saul went to the, to the priests and went to Elimelech and, and asked uh, him well, if he helped David and so on and so forth. And in 1 Samuel 22, verse 14 Ahimelech answered the king and said, Who is so faithful among all thy servants as David, which is the king's son-in-law, and goeth at thy bidding, and honorable in thine house? You know, David was faithful in his, in his uh, uh, service to the king, and, and God wants us to be faithful to our service to our Lord Jesus Christ, to our king. Uh, just because we are not meeting as we have been in the past doesn't mean... We can be unfaithful. So, you know, we need to continue in faith, uh, in long-suffering. Uh, you know, long-suffering means to suffer long. Uh, and, and, of course, it also talks, uh, really, the, the, a Bible definition is uh, steadfastness, perseverance, especially as shown in bearing troubles and ills. And, and you know, this, this, all this that's going on in the world, this pandemic, may bring some trouble or ills into our lives. Some things that we're going to have to endure. It may bring some difficulties and hardships and some ills or some troubles. 
But in spite of that, you know, as Paul gave, gives an example here, we're to remain steadfast, trusting in God and His providential care. If you notice in verse 11, he talks about the persecutions and afflictions which came unto me at Antioch and Iconium at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. But out of them all, the Lord delivered me. And so we need to continue in long-suffering. Uh, we need to also continue in charity. Uh, in, in verse 10 there again, he says charity. And charity is, of course, the word agape. It's affection, goodwill, love, or benevolence. And so we need to, we need to continue in, our, in charity and love one for another and, and, and showing goodwill toward others. You know, we need to have a, a willingness and an awareness of the needs of others. You know, during this time, there may be an elderly person or someone with an infirmity that, that we could help. We need to be aware of those things and, and be willing and able to help showing charity uh, to the world. You know, there's, there's a lot of hate and, and uh, criticism and all and negative things in the world. We need to be a voice of, of good and, and of, and of uh, blessing and of help to others. And we are, we are commanded, of course, to love uh, one another. So we need to continue in that. We need to continue in patience. And the last one in verse 10 there is patience. And again, this has the idea of endurance, similar to long-suffering. But uh, enduring uh, or being unswerved from a deliberate purpose and our loyalty to, to the Lord, even by in times of the greatest trials and sufferings. And Paul talks about his trials and sufferings here a little bit. Verses 12 through 14, he says, Yea, and all that we love God in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou. You know, they're, they're going to continue. Things are going to get worse and worse, as it says here. Uh, they're going to they're grow stronger. The, the evil is going to grow before the Lord comes. We know that. But... His, his commandment to us is, continue thou. You see, it, it doesn't change our relationship with God, and it doesn't change who God is. It doesn't change or affect God's power in any way. And so we're just to continue in these things that, that He has uh, given us here in the Scriptures. And, of course, He gives us uh, the, the uh, wherewithal, to do these things, and this is this is how we can continue in these things in verses uh, fourteen or verses fifteen through verse seventeen. He says we're to continue. We ought to continue in these things also, learning the scriptures. You know, it's it's by our, our obedience and our study and and our learning of the scriptures that we continue can continue to have. Uh, 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 purpose and faith and long-suffering and charity and patience and all these things. You know, we need to continue learning the Scriptures. If you notice in verse 14, he says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and hast been assured of, knowing whom thou hast learned them. So we need to continue learning the Scriptures. To learn means to increase in understanding by use and practice. You know, when I was in Bible Institute, we studied the Bible a lot. It was a concentrated curriculum to gain Bible knowledge. I studied the Bible a lot, but being in the ministry and studying the scriptures, seeking answers to real life situations, I've learned a lot more than I ever did in Bible Institute. You see, it's giving me an understanding of God and His Word that no college could compare to. 
It's given me an understanding of how you apply the Scriptures to everyday life. You know, I gained knowledge, head knowledge, we call it, when I was in Bible Institute. But applying that's another story. Uh, using it to help people is another story. Uh, is, a, is a totally different thing. And, you know, the, the joke is amongst, amongst preachers, you know, they didn't teach us this in pastoral theology 101. Uh, you know, there's, there's, there's just some things you can't learn in a Bible institute or in a Bible college. And, of course, there's a difference between head knowledge and practical knowledge, being able to put it into use. And, and if Paul makes reference to this in Hebrews chapter 5, when he's writing the, the Hebrew Christians there in verses uh, uh, 12 through 14, he says, For when the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and have become as such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, because for he is a babe. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And so, you know, we're to continue to learn and increase in our understanding of the scriptures, and it is times like this that are most helpful for us learning. You know, it's when you're faced, it's when you're challenged. It's when you're challenged, when, when, when you're challenged about what you believe, that it's an opportunity for you really to really learn what you believe, to defend it. Like I said this a couple weeks ago, you know, I've learned a lot more from people challenging me than, than I have from people that agree with me. Because it's caused me to dig and study and prove what I believe from the scriptures. And of course it has then given me confidence in that, of course unless I was wrong, and confidence in that which I believe from the scriptures. And it gives me a better understanding in it. Uh, Paul said in Philippians 4.9, Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. You know, David was a giant killer. But David also taught his men to be giant killers. In 2 Samuel chapter 21, in verses 15 through 22, the Bible records for us David's men that killed giants. In 2 Samuel 21, verse 15, it says, Moreover, the Philistines had yet war again with Israel, and David went down and his servants with him, fought against the Philistines, and David waxed faint. In Ishbibinab, which was of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose spear weighed 300 shekels of brass in weight, he being girded with a new sword, thought to have slain David. But Abishai, the son of Zariah, succored him, that is, he helped him, and smote the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swear unto him, saying, Thou shalt no, go no more out with us to battle, that thou quench not the light of Israel. It came to pass after this, there was war again. There was, battle, uh, there was again a battle with the Philistines of, at Gob. Then uh, Shibachai, the Hushathite, slew Shaph, which was one of the sons of the giants. And there was again a battle in Gob with the Philistines, where Elnathan, the son of Jerorgim, a Bethlehemite, slew the brother of Goliath the Gittite, the staff of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. And there was yet a battle in Gath, where was a man of great stature that had on every hand six fingers and every foot six toes, four and twenty in number. He also was born to the giant. And when he defied Israel, Jonathan the son of Shimei, the brother of David, slew him. These four were born to the giant in Gath and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. 
See, David was a giant killer, but he also taught others to have faith and kill giants. You know, Paul, the apostle, under inspiration here, is instructing us how to be victorious over the, quote, giant pressures and trials that will afflict us in this life. And he says, continue thou in the Scriptures. Continue in the Scriptures. You know, there is power in the Word of God. As we need to have, you know, as we continue in the Scriptures, we, we need to have complete confidence in the words of God, just as David had faith that God would give him the victory over Goliath. You know, the odds looked very bad for David. I mean, most, almost everyone else thought he was a fool to try and fight Goliath. But David was trusting in his God, not in David. And we need to have confidence in the words of the God and his promises. And so we need to be learning the scriptures so that we can have victory in our walk with the Lord, even in perilous times. It's also, of course, the scriptures give us understanding of salvation. If you notice in verse 15 of 2 Corinthians 3, it says, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So the word of God tells us how to be saved. It gives us wisdom and understanding into how to be saved. It tells us the conditions, and there are conditions to salvation. A lot of people, say, well, there's, there's no condition. Yes, there is conditions. Repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have, to be, we have to repent of our sin and put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, Acts 20, 21 tells us. So the Word of God examines our true state by the law of God and reveals to us our need of salvation. You know, salvation is based on knowledge and understanding of who God is and our standing before Him. And so we have to acknowledge and confess our standing and repent and receive Him as Lord and Savior. So the Scriptures... It is from the scriptures that are able to make us wise or give us understanding into salvation. So again, we need to continue to learn in the scriptures. Uh, there needs to be application of scripture to life. Notice verses 16 through and 17. It says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction of in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished, unto all good works. You know, God's desire for every child of God is growth. Growth to maturity. You know, the, the desire of every parent is for their child to grow up until they get to a certain age and they want to keep them small. You know, some, some want to. But, but you know, uh, I never did that. I, I didn't want mine to stay. Well, I want mine to get married and leave the house and have grandkids, you know. Um, you know but, but every parent wants their children, doesn't want their children, their babies to stay babies. They want them to grow and mature. And it's natural for a, for a young person. You know, every young person wants to grow up. They can't wait till they're five and, you know, maybe start school. Can't understand why, but but you know maybe start school and you know there's always milestones in life and then and then maybe it's tw- uh, ten or twelve. But boy, the big one is what sixteen when you can drive a car, and then graduation, and they just think those are great milestones in life. And then after graduation, well, those milestones weren't as great as I thought they were. You know, responsibility for life sets in. You know, and and now you you become responsible, as one one son says that. This adult life isn't what it's all bragged up to be. 
Um, but, uh, you know, sometimes that's the way it is. But none of us wants to stay where we are. We ought to desire maturity, and God desires maturity in our life. He desires growth. And so when a poor person is born again, he receives the life of God. Colossians 3, uh, 3 4 tells us of that. So receive the life of God and the indwelling Holy Spirit who begins to work in us. You know, he indwells us. So God the Spirit indwells us, and he begins to work in us, teaching us, convincing us of doctrine of what is right. Verse 16, all scriptures is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Doctrine teaches us what is right uh, for reproof, what is not right for correction, how to make things right, and for instruction, how to keep things right. And the purpose of all this is that the man of God, a child of God, may be perfect. And that speaks of maturity, growth to a place of maturity, Christian maturity in their life, truly furnished unto all good works. You see, God has furnished us completely with everything we need in the Word of God. Peter tells us we have all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. And so it's God's desire that we continue to grow. And to do that, we have to apply the Scriptures to everyday life. Even in perilous times, even in times of uncertainty, uh, we need to continue, just continue to apply the Scriptures uh, in everyday life. It means we grow, we mature, we move forward. You know, there are many other verses in the Bible that speak of this. Second Peter 3.18, Peter says, But grow in grace. In the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to him be both to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. You know, that was Peter's last will and testament was Second Peter chapter three. And that's the last words he penned before his martyr. We have nothing of record after of Peter after that. But the last thing he says to us is Grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. In Second Corinthians five seventeen. Paul wrote to the church of Corinth, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And it speaks of a process uh, of, of putting off old things and putting on new things, growing in our Christian life. In Philippians 1.6, he wrote to the church of Philippi and says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day. Of Jesus Christ. In other words, if God started to work in you, if God gave you new life, He's going to continue to work in your life until you go to be with Him, until the day of Jesus Christ. You see, if you are a child of God, He will continue to work in your life. If God is not working in your life, maybe it's because you're not really His child. You know, have you truly repented of your sin and received Christ as your Lord and Savior? If so, continue thou in the Scriptures. Continue it learning and growing in Him. You know, just because things are not as they always are. Because there's changes that may come into our lives that we don't have control of. Doesn't mean we can't continue in the Scriptures. God knows all about everything that's happening in our world today. But His instruction is to us to continue. Just as 
his constructions were to Timothy, who was facing difficult times and persecutions. Uh, his instructions were to Tim- Timothy, Timothy, continue thou. Continue in your doctrine, your manner of life, your purpose, your, 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 your faith, your long-suffering, your chatter, your patience. Continue in the scriptures, which will enable you to do all these things. And so we just need to continue. Continue in the scriptures. That we might have victory in these times in which we're living. Uh, God has given us that which we need. We need in the scriptures to, to grow and to mature into that which pleases Him. So I trust that you will continue in the scriptures. Continue to trust God. You know, Joshua and Caleb never gave up. God had given them a promise of Canaan land. And though, instead of taking a short period of time, it took 40 years, they never gave up. They continued to serve God faithfully, even when everything around them was chaotic many times. They continued to serve God. And might God help us to continue to serve Him uh, in these times in which we're living. If you do not know Him as your Lord and Savior, we'd love to be of help to you. Uh, You can visit our website, and there's a phone number there. And you give us a call, and uh, we'd love to be of help to you if we can help you in any way. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time in your word tonight. Thank you for how it speaks to our hearts and encourages us and challenges us. And I pray that you help us just to continue to walk with the Lord and learning and applying the scriptures to everyday life, that we might grow in the grace and knowledge of thee and be, be faithful to you until our Lord returns for us. And we'll carefully give you the praise, for we do thank you and praise you for it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us, and the Lord bless you.